0: Thank you that we can come together and praise you. What a wonderful, wonderful, loving father. What a wonderful savior. King of kings and Lord of lords, and you would leave heaven for us to come and die so we could be saved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we will get to praise you in heaven and be a part of your kingdom throughout all eternity. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you uh, have a Bible... If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. If you don't have a Bible, <clears throat> there should be one uh, under the seat in front of you, and you're welcome to take one of those Bibles and use it. If you don't have a Bible at home, you're welcome to take uh, the Bible with you, and uh, a gift from the church. Bruce says that, so I decided I'd just say it too. He's not here. I'll give things away. (laughs) Uh, Our our senior pastor, Bruce, has been preaching this week in a men's meeting in Texas. Uh, When I was pastoring in Texas, um, we took our men of our church to that uh, men's meeting. And, um, It was a blessing, uh, such a help to our guys. There would usually be uh, over a thousand men at one of these men's meetings that he's involved in uh, this week. But today, um, he's done with a men's meeting last night, and he had to uh, preach today in a, a town called Early, Texas. It's a a real town. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I sent him a note and a message. I said, um, uh, you're preaching er in early tomorrow. Don't be late. (laughs) It reminds me of a guy I heard of that retired. And after a few months, he was so bored, he had to do something to stay busy. And so he got a job as a greeter at Walmart, and um, he, he he loved greeting people and uh, welcoming them and helping them and and um, so. But there was a problem, and his manager called him in one day and said, "You know, uh, the, you're such uh, you're so good with the people, the customers." And all the employees just love you to death. Um, You're doing a tremendous job. But the problem is, you're coming in late. And he said, I've noticed now on your application that you have a military background. And um, so, if you were late while you were in the military, what did they usually say to you? I said, well, they used to say, said, good morning, Admiral, would you like a cup of coffee? <laughs> God does not want us to rush through life in a hurry and be uh, under pressure. God wants us to enjoy life. He wants to stop and smell the roses. But at the same time, God doesn't want us to waste our time. Life is made up of time. And so God does not want us to waste our life. God has an eternal purpose for us. Life is too far too precious. For us to waste. In Ephesians chapter number 5. And look there with me if you would in verse 15. Look carefully God says. Then how you walk. Or how you live. Not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So God is talking about his will, his purpose for our life. And he tells us not to waste our time, but making the best use of our time don't be foolish about our time some people just drift through life aimlessly carelessly they don't know what on earth they're here for what is their purpose for being here When you get saved, Christ becomes your Lord and Savior. You are born again of God's Spirit. Christ moves into your heart and life. You become a part of God's kingdom. God has an eternal purpose for you. God wants you to live for something bigger than just your life, just yourself. God wants you to be a part of something that will outlast this life, an eternal purpose. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He says, "I I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I have a couple of basic questions to ask. What does God want from your life? There's not a verse in the Bible that God says anywhere that you can do anything you want to with your life. There's nowhere in the Bible that God says, I want 10% of your life. Nowhere in the Bible that God says, I want 50% of your life. Nowhere in the Bible God says, I want 90% of, of your life. But there's a lot of places in the Bible that God says, I want all of your life. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 13, it puts it this way. Do not present your members to, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments of righteousness. God is saying to us here. Don't use any part of your life to sin, not your mind, not your body, not your feelings, desires, or emotions, but yield your life to God as one alive from the dead. You've been born again of the Spirit of Christ. He has saved you from your sins and from hell. He has given you eternal life in heaven someday with him. The Holy Spirit now lives in you. So we are to yield ourself to God as a person that's now alive from spiritual death. We have new life in Christ So we are to use our body, our soul, our mind, our spirit to glorify God in this life. We've been created or recreated to be a part of God's kingdom starting right now here on the earth. You know what? God's going to come again one of these days. Jesus Christ coming back to earth. And when he comes again, he will set up his kingdom on earth. And we will rule and reign with him a thousand years. At the end of that, he's going to create a new heaven, a new earth. And we will rule and reign with Christ in eternity forever forever. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? That's something to get excited about. That we will love, be, love Christ and be loved by him and share with him in what he has for us in eternity. Christ is the most important person in the universe. And the most important thing in our life should be Christ. C.S. Lewis put it this way. Christianity cannot be moderately important. God doesn't allow us to sit on the fence. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10, and verse 12 and 13, it says, And now, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk In all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you for your good. Now the devil will come to you, and he'll tell you that the commandments of God are a drag, that they're downers. But you know, that's the devil's lie. I have found out when I get my heart right with God and do what he wants me to, love him and serve him and obey him, there's such freedom. There's a clean and a clear conscience. There's a joy. There's a satisfaction that nothing in this world can give. Don't listen to the devil. Serve the Lord with your whole being, God is saying, not just your spare time. Some people want to serve God like you cut a piece of pie. You cut it this way and then you cut it that way and you cut it. And so I want you to think about life now kind of like, because that's kind of way we do our life sometimes we kind of cut it up in different pieces. One part is our social life. Another part is our career. Another part is our love life. Another part is our family. Another part is our retirement. Another part is our spiritual life. But you can't pigeonhole God into just one part of your life. If he is Lord, he must be Lord of all of our life. He's God. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 puts it this way. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Now, it it doesn't say it's going to be hard serve God money. He said it's impossible because one of them will become your God. Now, folks, I want you to know right now there's nothing wrong with money. Matter of fact, I wish I had more. <laughs> Don't you? As a matter of fact, if you had a billion dollars, it'd be okay if you were serving God with it. You how much a billion dollars is? That's a thousand million. Wow. Would you like to have that? I would. But it'd be okay if you were serving God with all of your life. But when money becomes first in your life, that becomes your God. And it becomes your priority. It becomes first place. But that's not the only thing that can become first place in your life. It might be your work. You could become a workaholic. Or it it might be sports. Or your career. Or your family. Or entertainment. Or hobbies. There's nothing wrong with work. We need to work. We got to work. We ought to put our energy and and do our best at work. But it shouldn't be number one in your life. God should be. There's nothing wrong with sports. I love sports. But it can't be the first thing in my life. God must be. Nothing wrong with recreation and getting out and enjoying yourself and having a good time. All these are good things. As long as you're not building your career and leaving out God. As long as you're not involved in these other things and leaving out God. Or letting them take God's place as first place in your life. We all need to save for retirement. You're going to be in a mess someday if you don't save for retirement. I'll tell you that right now. We need to maintain good health and to eat right and exercise. But that can't be what you live for. Jesus was talking to a man in the New Testament. And he said, follow me. And the, he said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. But first let me, and he gave a list of things that he wanted to do. And then he would come and follow. You know, there's something contradiction about that. Let me first go and do these things. If God is not first, he's not Lord. He's not your owner. That's what the word Lord means. He's not your boss. He doesn't have first place in your life. He's not the one you're living for. You may be saying, well, just let me get out of school and then I'll put God first in my life. or. Just let me get these kids raised and out of the house and then I can put God first. Or you might be saying, let me, let me get my kids' college financed and then I can put God first. Or you might be saying, let me get this project finished. Let me get caught up and then I can put God first in my life. Life doesn't work that way. And God doesn't want us going through life with the wrong perspective. In uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things God will add to you if you put him first. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path or he will make things work out if you put him first. You can't please God and be a part-time Christian you will lose out on God's purpose for your life here and eternally. So my second question is, what does it take to waste your life? Are you ready? You're not going to like this. No discipline. How do you waste your life? No discipline. To be what God wants you to be, to develop the full potential that God wants you uh, to have, you must discipline your life. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 17 says, Whoever heeds the instructions is on the path of life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. You got to have discipline. But there's something else that you need that's even more important. And that's the grace of God. Now grace has two sides to it. One part of grace is unmerited favor. When God gives us something we don't deserve, like forgiveness. The other part of grace, the other side, grace is God giving you the desire and the power to do what you ought to do. To obey God. Here's the thing, folks. When we were born, we had a sinful nature. We were born... That way. It's just natural for us to sin. When we get saved, Christ comes into our life. His Spirit lives in us. And so He can give us the power, the grace, the desire to obey Him, to live for Him. But we have to put off the old life and put on the new. It's a battle every day. I'll show you what that looks like, at least to some degree, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 22. Will you look there with me? To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. And is corrupt through deceitful desires. So, God says, put off the old self. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Give Christ control of your life every day. Let him live his life through you every day. Verse 25. Therefore, having put off falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Put off falsehood or quit line. Verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now all of us are going to get angry at some time or another. Somebody's going to do something to hurt you. Somebody's going to say something that rubs you wrong. Somebody's going to uh, disappoint you. They're not going to uh, do for them what they expected of you. You're going to get mad at others, and others are going to get mad at you. But the Bible says, don't sin when you get angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Go to that person and work that out. You tell them, you're important to me. I care about you. But I have this anger in my life because of what was said or done or you didn't do that I thought you should have. And I need to talk to you about it. Help me with this. Why did you do that? And let them tell you where they're coming from. And maybe they had a reason. But work it out before you go to bed. Don't, or in other words, don't hold that over. Verse 27, and give no opportunity to the devil. The devil will take that anger and turn it into bitterness. Then verse 28 says, let the thief thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Or work for what we need, don't steal, don't connive, don't cheat, don't deceive. Verse 29 says, let no corrupt or corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. Now, building up someone is opposite of tearing them down. And this verse is talking about corrupting talk as being Something that tears somebody else down. Belittling them. Putting them down. Make them feel like they're not worth anything. God says, don't let corrupting come out of your mouth. But build people up. The last part of verse 29, that it may give grace to those who hear. Are you giving grace to the people around you? especially to your spouse when you're mad at him verse 30 says and do not grieve the holy spirit of god you that have children let's just say that one of them is mad at the other one and starts telling the other one They're not worth anything. That they're no good. And putting them down and making them feel terrible. It would break our heart, wouldn't it, parents? That one of our kids are doing that to the other. But God is our heavenly father. And when he sees us tearing each other down and putting each other down. Hurting each other. It breaks his heart. And so it says there. And that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Now, to sum all those up, quit gossiping. Someone came to me sometime back and started telling me, all these bad things about this person that both of us knew. And finally I said, stop, it's wrong to gossip. And this person said, oh, I'm not gossiping. I'm telling the truth. (laughs) Well, if it's not something they need to know, if it won't help anybody, If it can't solve a problem, it's gossip. God said, don't do that. Let all clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Then verse 32 said, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. So we're going to have to discipline our mouth, our thoughts, our actions, our feelings, our desires. And if you're like me, I can't do it by myself. I got to have God's help. I got to have his grace. I pray all the time. God, deliver me from this wrong. God, help me to do this what is right. And he does. When I genuinely desire it and pray for it, he gives me that grace, that desire and power to do his will and to obey him. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Train yourselves in godliness discipline is doing something that's difficult now so you can enjoy it later discipline is doing something difficult so you can enjoy the benefits later discipline is At work, having a plan, using your time so you can enjoy the benefits later. Physically, we work out, we eat right. I work out five days a week, and I want you to know I don't enjoy it at all. (laughs) It is torture. But thank God there's benefits later. So, discipline and pray for the power of God in our life. And we'll develop the habits of righteousness. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 puts it this way. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely to us, and let us run with endurance the race that is before us. When I was in high school, I ran some track, and they gave me these little thin shoes when I was going to run a race, didn't weigh anything hardly, had some spikes on the bottom, And I I wore some very light clothes. The coach didn't bring me out a big heavy coat and big work boots to run in. He knew I'd lose. Well, I lost anyway. But (laughs) God is saying there's even some good things that we might have to give up. If we're going to put God first in our life. If we're going to grow in grace and serve him. We may have to say no to some things. But but that's hard to say no to people and to, to things. Because you know that's kind of where we get our identity isn't it? We should be getting our identity from the fact that we're a child of God and he's given us eternal life. We're in his kingdom and we will live with him forever. But life is just such that we begin to add this and add that and we get so many things that we don't have time to serve the Lord and to live for him. Jesus Christ was in heaven. King of kings. Lord of lords. He had a really good position there. And he left it all. Why? Because he loved us enough to come here and die for our sins. So God could forgive us. He paid the price of our sins with his own suffering. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And then Jesus told us in John 20, 21, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And the greatest thing you can do with your life is to invest it in something that will outlast this life. Too many people are investing everything in this life and in this world and what's on earth. This world's gonna burn up. In the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3, and verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a great roar. And the heavenly bodies shall be burned up and, and, the, uh, and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done in it will be, say it with me, exposed or burned up. It'll be gone. Everything you've done in this life. You're not going to take with you? It's here and will be gone someday. Jesus was traveling with his disciples. And he got to this town. And it was late in the evening. So he, he had some friends there Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So he stopped at their house. And Martha, was excited. She was going to cook supper for Jesus and all his disciples. I don't know how many was there for supper as guests that night, but a big up bunch of them, a parcel of them. And she's in the kitchen. She's peeling this and cooking that and mixing and, and hauling it. And finally she thinks, I'm in here by myself. And she goes in there where Jesus is talking and teaching. And she said, Lord, don't you even care? Have Mary, my sister, get in that kitchen and help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're concerned about so many things. But Mary has chosen the best part that will not be taken away from her. Now, there's nothing wrong with cooking and cleaning and washing dishes and all the things that had to be done there that night. But Martha was missing, spending time in the presence of God, hearing him, learning, being taught by him. You know, nobody puts a gun to our head. And makes us add all these things to our schedule that we have. We choose whether we will put God first and serve him. You won't be the loser if you do. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 puts it this way. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. God cares about you. He's not going to let you down. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head is bowed. And would you even close your eyes? I want you to talk to God for a minute. If you're here and you've been saved, you're a child of God, but you've not been putting him and his purpose and his work first in your life, if God has spoken to your heart, will you do business with him right now? If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, you've never been born of his spirit, You don't have eternal life. You need Christ. Will you open your heart to him right now? Will you ask him to forgive you of your sins and be your savior? He died for you. He paid for your sins with his suffering and he rose from the dead to prove that he's the son of God, the savior. If you'll trust him, he'll save you. I'm going to take just a moment of silence. Let you talk to God. If you need to be saved, ask Him to save you right now. If you need to do business with God about anything else, you talk to Him right now, would you? Heavenly Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit We'll take your word and change our life to make it what you want it to be, to fulfill your eternal purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.